What's up, everybody? I'm recording this intro from my car. You know, sometimes you just got to get her done. You just got to like stop whatever you're doing and accomplish the goal that you need to get done. And that's what I'm doing right now. I'm recording this intro from the front seat of my car because nothing is going to stop me from putting out this podcast. Today, I have a special episode for you. Vintage and Stuff is back and I'm excited. I'm excited for this episode. Today, we get into the world of vintage clothing NFTs. I have the infamous Defunct on the show. Defunct is was a staple and is still a staple in the vintage game. Been doing it for 10 years, has a, a blog and a forum that people have been connecting on for years and years and years. Puts out tons of valuable information on there. So check out Defunct. And, you know, to my knowledge, he was the first, but actually he was the second person to put out a vintage clothing, vintage t-shirt NFT. What is an NFT? Well, non-fungible token. You probably have heard about it by now. I think I've touched on it on the show, but it's all the rage and everyone's talking about it. So get up on it. NFT, non-fungible token, assets you can buy virtually, hold uh, in your crypto wallet. They're backed by Ethereum. It's a very interesting concept, an interesting thing that's going on right now in the world. So check it out. We get into how he created his, his backstory and vintage and all that good stuff. As always, if you want to support me, get on the Patreon. We've been you know, pretty active on the Discord group, which is everyone talking to each other on there. Patreon for as little as five bucks a month. You can support the show and I appreciate it. Also, check out the new mustache. What do you guys think? Kind of digging it. Let me know in the comments. Follow along, like this video. Without further ado, let's get into the episode with Defunct. Thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Um, you are you are an OG in this game. A lot of people out there probably have been to your website at one point or another. Your articles still to this day have killer SEO for certain topics, and they pop up um, very often. And that website for people listening is defunct. And you guys were sort of tr- sort of one of the first to really. In my opinion, I mean, let me know if this is accurate, but you're one of the first to really kind of like blog and write about vintage t-shirts. Yeah, I think we, I can't really think of anyone else who was doing it regularly. At the time, when I started, there was like a massive um, amount of just general t-shirt blogs. I remember doing an article about how there was like 200 or so, or something, 200 or so. Uh, but they were just like covering like standard t-shirts. And I think we were the only ones that started doing vintage, specifically vintage. Um, I started around, was it 2006 or 2007? Okay. And then things really took off when we opened the, uh, the forum. 
because then everyone just started like chatting in the forum and it was before the days of like Facebook and it wasn't as fragmented. And so the forum is like a great resource too. Yeah. So how did, what were you doing before you started this, this website and like, what was your involvement in vintage and how did you get into it? And then what made you start the site? Um, so to 1999 to 2004, I was, I owned a bar called NASA in Toronto on Queen street West. Okay. And that was like, it was kind of like part bar, part nightclub. And it was also a nostalgia project. We had, um, it, had, it was a, fu- a space age futuristic thing to it. So we had like old Atari set up and like we had games from the eighties. We had a Vectrex there. We had posters from, from, from movies and stuff. And then every night we were open seven days a week and there was a DJ spinning. So that was where I was at, but that, club business kind of you have almost like a five-year window and we were starting to trend downward um and it was around that time i'd already i'd already messed around on ebay in 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 99 to to actually raise money to enter that business to enter the bar business um but uh i started to just kind of poke around and see what other kind of stuff was out there and i noticed a bunch of guys online that were like having a blast selling vintage teas and like i just thought it was like the next nostalgia project for me. That's awesome. It's very funny you mentioned that five-year window with, with bars. It's so true. And like, if you can outlast that, and some, some people do, but it's tough. And it very is, there, it is a, ti- a timeline. And when, when you went into your bar business, did you have an idea of how that worked? Man, when you first go in there, you think it's going to last forever. Like, we, you know, the first like three or four years, we were, we were just we were doing so well. And then it's just like, yeah, it kind of just started to fizzle out really quickly. Um, I'd worked at a couple of places before I, I, I came over from industry nightclub, which was like kind of a, a legendary nightclub in the, in the nineties in Toronto that lasted about four or five years as well. So yeah, you're right. I mean, it's like, it's just like you have that, that clock is ticking when you're in that business. Yeah, it's tough, it, was, man. it was like such a great experience. We ended up selling on the way out. So we didn't, it's not like we had to shut the doors. We sold the place and like just kind of moved on to we, me and my partners just kind of moved on to new professions. And I chose to do uh, vintage t-shirts. That's awesome. So um, I guess then, then you, you started in the business and you hopped on eBay and you were selling teas. This is like, like you said, what, 2004, 2005? Yeah. 2000. It's almost, yeah. Around this time in 2004, I registered the domain, came up with the name and like, um, yeah, it was obviously at that time it was mostly through eBay. I didn't, I wasn't like running running sales through the site, but the site was there to support yeah sales at the time and help with the branding and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so I just started in on it, and like a couple of, a couple of years later, I was doing better and better and better, and finding dead stock stuff. And like, yeah, I mean, the rest is history. So, can you give us some uh, examples of what was hot back in the in the first couple of years of selling? It was initially like. Rock tees were the thing, like Judas Priest, Motley Crue, all that stuff. Iron Maiden, of course, it's like the gold standard for vintage tees forever. Even today, they're still yeah. so hot. Um, we started to do really well with hip hop, and then we started to curate like collection of hip hop. I think we were like among the only ones doing that. Like, kind of like putting. We had a special section of our eBay store at the time, and like you click on a thing, it would be all hip hop tees, and we were kind of like. We weren't just like waiting for them to come to us. We were like going out and trying to find them. We were doing a lot of picking online and stuff like that. So um, 
yeah, stuff just kind of grew from there. And like, and when you talk about the hip hop selection back then, you were probably grabbing strictly eighties hip hop, or was it yeah. coming into the nineties at that point? Barely, like maybe like very early Snoop stuff, but yeah, nineties hadn't come around like at all. Like it wasn't a thing yet. So yeah, it was like the eighties stuff, you know, like the Run DMC, the like. Um, Young MC was another one that was like <laughs> kind of one of those flagship tees that everyone wanted. Um, a lot of Eric B and Rakim, like that kind of stuff. Like I listened to that music growing up. So it was like, I was just like, you know, out, out there searching for it and looking for it online as well. That's awesome. So did, did you keep anything? Do you have your own personal tees? Do you have stashes left? A few, but you know what? Like now that I'm going through the website and like seeing all the stuff I used to have, I'm like, why did I, why did I sell that? You know, like <laughs> I even sold, I don't even have an Eric B and Rakim shirt that we kind of like, ended, we ended up selling, we found a small like dead stock amount of those and like wrote really? 30 or 40 and I didn't even keep one for myself. 30 or 40 of Eric B and Rakim? Yeah. Yeah. We were really lucky <laughs> with that one. Wow. Um, so Tell me about some digs, man. Like, did you ever go physically to go do some digs? Oh, you mean, um, like out on the, not, not like electronically, like not through eBay and not big. Yeah. Like, did you ever go to any American cities and actually like find stores that had rap? No, man. I I stayed local. Like originally I had a really awesome thrift route that I would do every day. Ride my bike through the city. Um, and there used to be a place, a, a goodwill that was like by the pound. I don't know if you remember this. It was like um I think it was like church in Richmond area. Okay. And it was basically like picking, like they would just come out, dump stuff on a table, and it was like you buy by the town. And like I had a, a ton of success there for like a year. It was like having a rag house kind of in my neighborhood. That's sick. Yeah. And then they closed it down. And I was like, no. <laughs> and yeah, Toronto has nothing now. I like that. Yeah. I think they uh, moved it to Scarborough, but I don't know. I've never actually made it out there. I've never heard of any like bins they call it in Toronto. Man, maybe there is. Yeah, not anymore. I think that was the last one, and that was like I think it closed in two thousand five, two thousand six. Yeah, I know Vancouver doesn't have any either. We had somebody who tried to do a private one, but it didn't really work out because they weren't. The key to those bins or those spots like that is that they rotate the stock fast. They put it out, people get the ticket, and then they, they bail it and ditch it. But the one that opened up here, like the guy kept it in the bins forever, so you couldn't find new enough stock on a regular basis. Stale, yeah, yeah. There was there was people constantly coming around and changing it, like every fifteen minutes. Yeah, that's, that was, it was like so awesome. But yeah, it closed and it broke my heart. <laughs> um, so those early days of defunct website, you said the forum was really popping, like that kind of got people on there, and that was like the building the community. Yeah. Yeah, like we had, it was it was a huge job to moderate it too. Like you know, I was answering, I would invite people to ask questions and post stuff and ask. You know, there was a section we had called "What's it worth?" and people would just come in and like post a picture of a t-shirt and, and ask about it. And, and uh, yeah, it was actually like moderating comedy. It took a lot of time. I was, you know, <laughs> but I learned a lot too because people were presenting with questions, and then I would go and dig and try to figure it out. And some of the times I was wrong. And in fact, I've looked back a few times and been like, "Oh yeah, that wasn't." That wasn't entirely accurate, but that's how you learn, right? Like totally. Yeah. And, uh, and that's and that's had, interesting point because yeah, like there wasn't as much reference. There was no references. Yeah, exactly. Back then you couldn't find. It. You had to kind of like 
actually go out and study the piece or figure out the stuff, figure it out from like a real hands-on perspective, probably. Yeah, exactly. Like you had nothing to go on. Like there was no one else who like looked at a tag and like screen stars and told you where it was from or what timelines it was, right? It was just like we had to kind of like use the shirts, the dates on the shirts and all that kind of information to kind of piece it together. Yeah. And that's very, it's, it's interesting to me in the way that, you know, you look at where the community's at now and like the community's growing. It's, it's had this crazy bubble year of like activity and new things are happening. I know it's amazing. It is. And, but it, it took what you guys had started in that community probably back then. And like, it's all these things that happened throughout the timeline of our business to have got the community to a place where it could have had this year. You know what I mean? Like education, the knowledge, the, the people, um, and all these different things that kind of have accumulated to give it what it is now. So it's just good to like recognize all these things that helped it get there from 15 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. You got to like sort of look back to the, to the bricklayers and, and, uh, you know, we actually recently relaunched the site. It's, It's live again. There's a few bugs we're working out still, but, uh, yeah, we're back in action. I've got a bunch of articles planning stuff like that, so it's super awesome. exciting. We, uh, we did the uh, the um, dry rot challenge. I, mean, I know I watched a bunch of your videos where people were trying to where you were trying to solve, solve it. So we offered a thousand bucks. I think it was like three weeks ago, and there hasn't been a single entry. Um, okay, so that was all my notes to talk about. So you know, there's lots of. It, it, Sorry, lots of info out there now about dry rot. I posted a couple of videos, but the best, I mean, the best talk about it was um, wax and threads basically on yeah. Chris's talk. So if you want to go to Chris's Instagram, he chatted about the whole thing, but it was basically you and him who did the original studies and kind of like really tried to figure out what it was, right? And I'll give him credit for that. He, when I looked back in the forum recently, it was him that said, has anyone ever had a t-shirt <laughs> um, disintegrate in your hands? And I, and I answered him, oh, yeah, that, I mean, the black ones. And he was like, yeah, so that, it was him that came up with that term. And he's the OG. I got to give him full, full respect for that. And the re- all the research was him. Like, like he's, he's the man in that department. That, that's rad. Yeah, we had a great chat. There's a podcast with me and him. Yeah, I yeah. saw it. I saw it. Um, so, and that's, again, like, that would have been such a mystery in the early days of figuring that out. Why are these rotting, you know, finally figuring out that it's only black teas and doing all the tests that you guys did. So you guys really broke it down. Check out the defunct website for the kind of the scientific breakdown of dry rot. Because, you know, I, I referred to it when I did my video on it and I, I quoted you guys on it. Yeah, yeah, I think you linked to it too. Um, and I think it's it's super cool. So, but the big kicker here is that you guys have put out a thousand dollar prize reward for anybody who can fix dry rot because as it stands you can prevent it but you can't fix it yeah you can prevent it from getting worse and from from, yeah you can't fix it we don't we don't think you can there have been a bunch of people online saying that you can you've seen i don't know if you've seen this but i had one dude who said that he uh he had a chemist that had come up with a formula for figuring this out and he wasn't prepared to share it but he knows how to yeah he's like a thousand dollars i'm i want a million dollars well that's the thing they don't even have to reveal how they do it so there's nothing to lose right like oh you just have to be like this is this one was fixed here you go you yeah fixed it i mean the final test is like where he's Derek's going to send 
a full dry rot t-shirt. And if you can, if they can pull it off and send it back and it's fine, then you get a thousand bucks, no questions asked. If you don't want to share the, the secret, then you don't have to. That's crazy. So Here we get, go. get your submissions in guys, thousand bucks. And like you're, you're helping the community and you're making a thousand bucks. Yeah. Yeah. But there hasn't been any date. So I, um, I talked to somebody, I can't even remember who it was. I would give you credit if I remembered, um, who said that there's some kind of silicone type spray for some kind of other application that you can spray on the shirt. So it actually adds like another bonding layer to the fabric. So yeah, which, you know, it doesn't fix the fabric because, you know, we probably all can agree that there's no way to fix those fibers. Once the fibers are sitting, yeah. gone. It's it kind of like, it's how do you strengthen it enough to make it wearable again? So it was some sort of spray that gives it strength. Um, so I didn't we, even get the name of the spray. We talked about that, Derek and I, and um, the shirt's got to come back and be wearable. It can't be like this stiff piece of like cardboard, you know? You yeah, totally. To walk like this. Like, so I, it seems to me if you're going to spray something on it, it might uh, make it rigid or it's probably not going to last after a few washes, right? Yeah. Again, to be tested. We'll see. So yeah, on. looking forward to some submissions, though, so we can see what's going on here and if anyone's actually out there trying stuff. Yeah. I mean, it would be amazing to solve it. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, the relaunch of the site and to see what you guys come up with. It's um, live now. Okay, cool. Well, I'm going gonna, uh, gonna to check it out. So I guess because you started that site 15 years ago, was it the same site until you just relaunched now? No, it's gone through a bunch of changes. Um, in 2011, we turned it into a multi-vendor marketplace. I don't know if you remember that. I vaguely um, do. I vaguely do. And how'd that so run like, for you? It was like the Etsy for vintage tees. We kind of said it. But uh, it did well for the first couple of years. There was some growth. There was lots of people selling. Then it kind of plateaued. And then it just started to slowly decline. I think that was like represent, representative of like sort of Instagram and people selling in different ways. And like, it was also very, a very tough thing to pull off. I mean, we, it was basically a one man show. I mean, I, I was doing it all on my, on my own and um, you know, it's a big job <laughs> to, to run that. Right. Like, it's a huge job. You know, when you look at big tech companies who have these vendor marketplaces, they have massive yeah. teams and massive amounts of money. Yeah. There was no money behind it. I was kind of, um, relying on our search engine traffic, which was really strong at the time. Around the time when we opened, there was a huge shift by Google and we did a few algo changes and like it kind of tanked our, our ranking. So it kind of really hurt us because I was really relying on that organic traffic, right? Yeah. You know, it's funny. We had, um, that's how we grew Ephes and Frank in the early days as well because we were big in the snapback game. So we were yeah. crushing it on snapback SEO. Right. And we did yeah. all the things, probably same stuff you did. We did, you know, you'd, you'd name your pictures properly, blog a lot, lots of keywords in your blogs, constantly putting out new stuff. Um, you know, there's like all these different things. It was, it was a little bit. Like, pardon? We met a title, the description, incoming links, anchor text, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And like swapping stories with other websites. So you got like spider links going out and. <laughs> It used to be more understandable, but now I don't even like I haven't even looked at the Google algorithm or how that all works now because I think it's a lot more tricky and they try to like they make it so it's so much harder to 
to actually get yourself up there. Like they don't want yeah. people to get themselves up there. They want it. They want to say that we'll rank you the way we think it should be. Not there's nothing you can do to help it. I don't know. It's it's trickier now. We've got. I've still got a decent idea of, of how it's going to all play out with the new site. Um, yeah, it's, it can still be done. And like we've got, you know, because we've been on the web since 2005, and we've got so many income links, we're, we're in really good really good position to pull it yeah. off and cycle some traffic again. And I think in, in, in reality, what is the most important is quality content, which you always yeah. have, you know, it's like you can, you can do all this BS behind the scenes, but if people come there and they don't stay there for quality content, it's worthless. Right. Yeah, so, exactly. And especially now with people, you know, the, the way the community is and everyone's sharing stuff and everyone's out there and trying to learn and educate each other. So, I mean, I'm sure you guys will do great. I'm stoked to stoked for it. Yeah, and it's kind of missing. Like, there's no one else really. Everyone's busy on Instagram and like all these other platforms, and like we're kind of losing touch with this like a website that has all this information, right? Like, yeah, Instagram is hard real, to kind of search. Right? A real like place where it lives. That's yeah. something that is social media is great for certain things, but nothing lives. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's disposable. Yeah. It's disposable. It's people put people do all this amazing content. Like there's lives happening with great content, and you know, it's gone. Like, it's like yeah, even YouTube now the way the algorithm works. Like if you put out a video, it gets great traction, and then the traction dies. People can go search it and they'll find it later, but they kind of let that traction die. Um, Instagram, everything after it's that first day is like dead, you know. Yeah. And like a website where things just live and you can be searched and yeah. can be referred to is like, is very, it's a good resource. Yeah. That's what we're working towards. They kind of tie everything together and bring all the social elements together and, you know, you know, start having that stuff searchable, right? Cause you go on Instagram and you want to learn about screen stars. You're probably going to have a difficult time finding out about it. Right. You'll see lots of pictures and stuff like that, but you're not going to like, you're not going to, you're not going to learn too much, right? That's true. I didn't even think of that. It's, it's, it's not searchable at all. The only thing you can search on Instagram is someone's name. You can't search info at all. Do a hashtag search, but it's just, you know. Yeah. Okay, well, let's get into topic that everyone wants to hear about. NFTs. <laughs> NFTs. This, this to me, I've only been on the NFT radar for maybe a month, which is okay. And you know way more than I do. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm at two weeks. How did I? Yeah, and look at you. You're that you've put out the first NFT tokened T-shirt. Which, yeah. So how did I even hear about NFTs? Jeez, I think my my one of my employees. They were they were talking about the NBA Top Shot. You know, yeah. Where, it's is more likened to like a trading card platform. And uh, that's how I kind of got introduced to it. Then I went down the rabbit holes. It took me about a week to kind of wrap my head around even comprehending this and realizing that there's something here. Obviously, I, I'm, I'm forward thinking. So I'm like, okay, I just have to like get my head into the game here. But you guys got on it quick and you launched a, NF, a vintage NFT. You want to explain what you did? Well, first, a little disclaimer, like like I said, I only started two weeks ago, so like this, I have not wrapped my head around it at all. All I can really do is tell you how I got the t-shirt up there <laughs> okay. and the digital hoops I had to jump through. 
Um, I also have to give a shout out to my buddy Matt from uh, T-shirt Time Machine. I don't know if are you buddies with him or you know, you know Matt? I, I don't think we're buddies, but I believe I know him. Yeah, he's a fellow Ontario uh, vintage T-shirt guy. And uh, about two weeks ago, he just came came to me on uh, on Facebook chat and was like, "Dude, we have to see if this applies to like vintage tees." And he's been doing it for a couple of months, even maybe even three months. And he is still sort of like very humble about it and says he doesn't really know understand the whole thing. Like it takes a long time for this to set in because it's such a like the concept is so out there. Um so when he said that, he kind of inspired me to just start like thinking about it. And he just said, if you want to learn about it, the crash course is just go and try to list something because that's what he did. He listed a soccer jersey. Um so that's that was great advice. I just started, I just went. Okay, I'm going to take this Run DMC shirt, this like infamous Run DMC shirt, and I'm just going to like attempt to get it up there, <laughs> get it on the blockchain. Um, and yeah, I did it. It was like, <laughs> it took a while. I felt like a, Matt and I joked around, and it's like, so like 90 year old men trying to figure out eBay for the first time. And it's like, it's like the <laughs> eBay listing from hell. Like, there's so much stuff to like try to figure out for the first time and platforms to sign up. But, uh, yeah, like about a week dabbling every night, every day for about an hour, I managed to pull it off. Okay, um, so from what I understand, I'm going to break this down for the listeners. You, you had a Run DMC 1980. It's a My Adidas T, like from their Adidas line, right? Which what? Yeah, what yeah. You I think it's 86 or 87. Okay, and you have listed it as an as a redeemable NFT. So you buy the NFT, which on what website did you drop it on? Mintable. Mintable. So it's on Mintable. It's NFT. And then you, you also receive the t-shirt. Now, when you say redeem the token for the t-shirt, it's like when, when that token sells, you're sending that person the t-shirt. Yes. Okay. So that's now, the thing that I don't understand is why anyone would want that without the t-shirt. But that's the concept that we have to figure out, right? <laughs> like. Because that's happening when people are, are trading things and not getting anything physical back, right? Yeah. So something that confused me when you when we talked, because um, when I first posted, okay, this is an interesting concept. When I first posted, I shared your post about it, right? And I got a lot of people hitting me going like, why would someone buy a picture of a t-shirt? And I go like, no, it's, and I didn't know actually if you got the t-shirt at, at the beginning too until you told me. And I was telling everyone, no, you get the t-shirt. But when you say, the token is redeemable because an NFT is non-fungible token is the term for it. So it's a, it's a token, which I mean, we haven't even broke this down for people who haven't got into this yet, is an NFT is a non-fungible token. It lives on the blockchain. You own them. So like you, it lives in your wallet like a cryptocurrency. Yeah. And whenever you exchange it, somebody, so if it's a piece of art or it's a moment or video clip or whatever it is, you own it. It's encrypted with the blockchain, so it can't be faked. And then you sell it to somebody, and the blockchain is the proof of purchase. It's the proof of authenticity. It tracks digital provenance. Digital, exactly. And it, it allows it to be tracked between all the different buyers throughout its life, lifespan. I, I, yeah, exactly. Essentially. You said that way better than I would. I like, oh. <laughs> I've thought about this a lot. thought about this a lot. Um, so when you said that the token is redeemable for the t-shirt, like they buy the NFT, they own the token, it's in their, it's in their wallet. Do they have to give you the, the token to get the t-shirt or do they just say, send me the t-shirt? 
<laughs> once they pay the the thirteen thousand dollars it is or or whatever um yeah i'm not sure how it all works once it's up because i've never sold anything right so this is all like like i'm navigating through like uncharted territory here like i don't i don't i assume that like you know the the, the funds would be transferred to me or my account and then it would just be like a, an ebay transaction i package it up always saying i'm going to do uh you know fedex and insure it <laughs> um the thing that we tried to do is like and I could look back on this five years from now and think that this was totally stupid the way I was thinking about it, but we included a, a bunch of a file within it that has like super high res photos of the t-shirts so that whoever gets it and whoever it's transferred to can make sure that it's the same one. Right. So we were thinking along the lines of like, can this thing be used in a physical sense and tied to the blockchain to keep it authentic and make sure that t-shirt is, is the exact one? Okay. I get it. So sometimes people can buy a picture and then they get the different shirt in a weird faking backdoor sense. So you could be like, is, is, is that file part of the NFT? Like, will it be live, yes. will it live in your wallet? It'll live, it lives in there and whoever purchases it gets unlocked. So only they can see it. Okay. Interesting. So that again, ups the level of, um, authenticity, authentication essentially. Right. And that's what we are trying to do to try to really like keep it authentic and like somehow tie the physical t-shirt to that, to that blockchain. Okay. Okay. So but good. again, this is why I, I wanted to get you on here, man. We got to understand the, the concepts. Matrix. <laughs> Five years from now, again, I could be like, that was a really dumb thing. I mean, like I said, I'm only two weeks into it, but I just wanted to, to get into it and like list something. And that was like what Matt said to do, just dive in. And this is like the best education you're going to get. Um, it's going to co- cost me about $80 and, you know, a week of my time. And like, here I am. <laughs> yeah. a little I, bit wanna, I want to uh, talk more about the process too. So first of all, this shirt that you you use run dmc iconic shirt iconic hip-hop group um one of the earliest like real breakout mainstream kind of rap artists Mm -hmm. Uh, but you kind of told the story on the nft i read through it but you want to tell the story of like why this why you picked this shirt what's the the relevance with this shirt and like it had sold the previously on other thing and like just talk about the shirt a bit yeah, so I don't know if you remember Vintage Vantage. Do you remember yeah, these I guys? Do. Yeah. Yeah, like more pioneers that were like just having, like I said earlier, like I know it's a bunch of people that were having a blast online selling vintage t-shirts and like these were one of the guys that inspired me. Um, and they had they, they were among the first people to like list hip-hop teeth. I think they, they had this one up and they priced it at $13,000. And like it kind of became like a showpiece for them. It was like their item that was like, creating all this buzz, people were always talking about it and people wanted to get their hands on it. And back then it was like, you know, really hard to get your hands on something like that because they weren't, you know, like to these days they pop up like once a, once a year, once every six months, you'll see one pop up. But back then it was like the only one and it was like that for a while. So they kind of like almost like made this t-shirt, this like super rare thing. And I don't think they ever really had any intention of selling it. Like they just wanted to keep it there and for people to ooh and ah, you know? Yeah. So eventually they closed their doors and then that shirt got transferred to Heather from Skippy Haha, who I'm sure you've seen on Instagram. 
Um, she put it on her Etsy and I, I, I snapped it up. And then I listed that shirt on the marketplace when we opened in 2011. So it was the first shirt that was listed on the debunked marketplace. So it kind of has a little bit of a flair there too as well. So it's got this history of, 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 of sort of a provenance of like, you know, first it inspired a bunch of people. I know there's people that I've talked to in the past that uh, were just like, yeah, that shirt and the, the dude that was selling that shirt was like why I got into this business. Like, yeah. Kind of like turned people on to hip hop tees and it made me, that's one of the reasons why I started curating hip hop in my early days. That's so rad. And that's explained very well. And I think, again, that goes back to what I said before of like, this tea helped build rap teas to what it is right now, which yes. is it's, it's at an all time peaking point. You know what I mean? Yes, it, it, is, it is one of the, it's probably the most sought after category. Definitely one of the most valuable categories. It's, um, <clears throat> and I think one of the categories that has legs, you know, one of the categories that really has true legs that will stand the test of time because it represents such an amazing part of American music history. You know what I mean? Yeah. And those eighties ones were so much more rare, I think, because like there wasn't, it wasn't as mainstream, right? Like, you know, I always think I always have a, a special place in my heart for the eighties ones, just because like, they're just, you know, they're, they're way more rare. Like once you get into the two thousands ones, I mean, they're totally mass producing them like that. Right. Yeah, like like the Tupacs, the Tupac bootleg rap tee. Everyone wants them, but they're very common. Like they're they're the most common rap tees out there. You know, I have like a Humpty Dance one that I, that I'm like yeah. never gonna see this one again. You know what I mean? Is it the one with the where he has the raised nose? Yeah, yeah, like the three D the three D nose, it's like a cartoon drawing of it. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, that's another one that like I let go and I wish I hadn't. Yeah, I still have that stashed away. And it's like a real kind of weirdly shaped 80s tee, you know, like, um, but yeah, so that's, that's cool. So then break it down about the whole process here. So, you know, we think about vintage t-shirts listing, everyone lists, everyone who listens to this podcast is probably vintage sellers of some degree. And you know, we think about listing, like going on eBay, taking the picture, putting the description, it's up there. Someone can buy it. So what is the process like of actually, cause making an NFT, they call it minting an NFT or mining an NFT. Minting. Yeah. Minting. Now it's not as simple from what I understand because it takes energy. So someone brought to my attention. I'll get into that after you tell us your process of minting this <laughs> NFT. As best as I can. So the first thing I had to do was find a reputable cryptocurrency broker. Because like this crypto world is like rife with, with fraud. Like it's it's apparently super game. I haven't been ripped off. I just started it, but like people are just constantly warning me, like, be careful out there because you can get ripped off. So, so what to- what did you go with and what ones were you warned against? Um the site that I went with is called Newton. So that's for us Canadians. I'm not sure if it's in, in the U.S., but you just have to find someone that's reputable, that's a cryptocurrency broker. Um, and yeah, like that whole process of like signing up an account with them was like so many hoops. Um, 
<laughs> I had to show, like, I had to take a picture of like ID with a picture of myself with ID in my hand, like a driver's license. Um, and then the screen kept saying, smile, don't smile, smile, don't smile. Like it was, it was taking pictures and pictures and pictures. Eventually it got a picture of me like, <laughs> and then it said saving. And I was like, what? That's <laughs> anyway, then it had to be verified by an actual human because it was like, obviously they weren't getting the photo that they wanted. So that took some time. Um, and then once you get set up on there and you jump through all those hoops, then you got to try to get your money, your Canadian money or your US money into it so that you can actually buy Ethereum, right? Which is the base credit or NNFP. Um, so I tried two credit cards. Both of them got declined immediately. And even if you call the credit card company and say, no, I'm tr actually trying to do these transactions, they just say, no, we just don't deal in crypto. Like they won't do it, even if you say, I want you to do it. Were you able to eat? Did you have to e transfer in? Yes. So then I e transferred in, and then that got put on hold. Yeah. So, like six hours later, I was like, why hasn't it gone through? It's supposed to go through in 30 minutes. So then, like, you got to call your bank. And even your bank might not know that sometimes the bank is putting it on hold and sometimes it's Interact. So I called the bank, and lo and behold, it was both of them. So the bank passed me Interact. And then they had a security person come in. And record me saying, yes, I am trying to do this transaction. Please let it go through. So, yeah, that's, that was yeah. like the first sort of experience I was that's having. With. It's so interesting, this topic on its own, because I saw, I, I drove by a billboard today in Vancouver that said, don't get caught red-handed, like uh, research before you get caught with investment fraud or something. And I think it was referring to like crypto, right? Because people... Yeah. Because it's 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 untracked right now, and the government is hesitant. The banks are hesitant to get involved. But you're we're like, okay, crypto's been around. Yes, it's getting bugged right now. But like, you guys got to figure this out. It's been around for years. I talked to, um, you know, one of my financial guys, and I'm like, so how do I claim? Because I've been in it for a minute, man. I got in two and a half years ago when that first kind of buzz yeah. was all going crazy, and you know, my even this guy who's like, uh a certified accountant. He's like, I still have to learn more about how we declare it. Yeah. It's like such a gray area. Like no one knows how it's going to work. And like, right. Exactly. And you mentioned that Ethereum is the base credit for um, NFTs, which yeah. basically means like all NFTs to my knowledge are being traded with Ethereum cryptocurrency. Yeah. As far as I know. Okay. Okay, so continue on your process of getting this done. So where were we? Where were we? I passed the hoops of Newton being on a um, getting on a crypto cryptocurrency, and I finally got the money there. So then that everything was kind of smooth sailing for a little bit. I just transferred Canadian dollars to Ethereum, which I love the name of that. I feel like it should be like the currency in Total Recall or something. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so futuristic. You have like this. Uh, he like plug into like this thing and it like transfers money over or something. Yeah. Yeah. Even the logo for it is like so badass. <laughs> um, so yeah, that is a very volatile uh, cryptocurrency because like I put money in there and got it into Ethereum. And then like, like the next day I was up a hundred bucks or just sitting there. Like, and then I didn't, yeah, and then I was like, I should just cash out. Then a day later I was down a hundred bucks. So it's like bouncing all over the place. Right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I got the money. I got the Ethereum. So then, you need to get 
that into your wallet. So there's a, another, um, there's a Google um, sort of plugin called MetaMask. Then you have to connect that to your uh, cryptocurrency broker and, and then transfer the money. That's a relatively easy once you kind of figure it out. There's a code that you uh, use between the two of them and it just happens like instantly. So you've got the money in your crypto wallet. The code's which, like this long, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a snippet of code. It's like, you know, it's a one-time thing. You got to do it quickly. But uh, <laughs> that's why people lose their crypto because they have these wallets or whatever that have these codes. And they're like, I, I you know, I got it 10 years ago. I don't remember my like 50-digit code. Yeah, I yeah. can't access my wallet or something. And, and now I know $20 million. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the password. I've only got two attempts left. <laughs> So, yeah, you're in so there, you got the money's finally in the wallet. So then you got to choose which platform you're going to do the minting. So I didn't dig around too much. My buddy Matt uh, did it on Rarible and I did it on Mintable. The reason I chose Mintable was because it looked like Rarible, from what Matt said, that there was an option to use more than one photo for some reason. So I was like, well, for a listing like this, I mean, we're so used to seeing like a million photos. I decided to go with Mintable. Um, and uh, yeah, the way I went was like pretty ten, pretty pretty intense because it's it's a one-shot deal. Like once you hit submit, you can't edit it because it's blockchain. They want it to be exactly the way, preserve it exactly the way it was, right? So I can't go back in and edit anything, right? Um yeah, so I sent a, spent a day doing photos again, which I haven't done in a long time, and like having nightmares about going back to listing stuff on eBay. <laughs> um, yeah, and then got it up. Hadn't even had my wife proofread my text on there. She's a student of journalism, so I was just like, okay, everything's perfect. I'm ready to go. <laughs> and finally, like, just hit submit and was like, yes, correct. And now we see what I mean. Is this takes, from what I understand, like you can pay more to have it quickly minted or you can wait a longer period of time and it's slower. Is that correct? This didn't give me that option. I haven't, I haven't heard, of it, heard about that. But the price to list it changes depending on Ethereum gas rates. And I originally thought that maybe that tied into real world gas, right? but it doesn't. It's just sort of the listing fees and they fluctuate. It has something to do with like, the miners who write it to the blockchain and how busy they are. And like, so the more people listing, the, the price actually goes up. So some days... That's, that's, um, that's so interesting. So when you, when, you, when you submit it, you throw it out there, it tells you a price. That's based on how many... It's based on supply and demand of the people who can actually... Yeah. And then there's actually a person who has to go in and, and do the work to code that product for you code that piece of art or whatever it is yeah it's possible that's something that i'm not fully sure but this gas price fluctuates so i could have listed it a day later and only paid 40 dollars. so it's really it's really kind of bizarre like it can it can fluctuate really really does the price of the minting matter what your retail price will be or no like does it re like if my if the price of my of my shirt is more expensive is it more to mint it Another good question because I've only listed one thing, right? So <laughs> you, you didn't even try to see, like throwing a random. No, because I was just like, I just gotta do this, you know. I'm just yeah, like, yeah. Oh. So that's 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 an unanswered question. Can somebody please in the comments like give us the answer to that one? Does it yeah, yeah, yeah. with your selling price? Because then you got to think, 
you know, can you go out and make a bunch of NFTs that you sell for five bucks? Or is it the, the gas price going to out, outprice you and you got to, isn't it not going to work? I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting because I see things listed on there for like relatively cheap. And it doesn't make sense to me that they would pay $80 to list something for five bucks, right? <laughs> so there has to be something there that's based on your, perhaps based on your, on your, on your price. I'm not sure, but we'll find out in the comments. <laughs> So another interesting thing, somebody hit me up and they were sent me an article about how there's an environmental impact to NFTs. Now, like crypto, I didn't know about this, you know, I'm sure you didn't know about this, but this with crypto, from what I understand, when crypto is mined, it's computers that are creating this cryptocurrency and it, it takes a lot of energy and processing power to yeah. create the cryptocurrency. I guess, I guess, yeah, I guess they made it like that because it it resembles like mining for gold. Oh. Like you can't, you know, we're gonna we have to, it takes it takes per, actual physical energy, people, money to go mine gold, just like it takes power and people's energy and time to to mine Bitcoin. So that's kind of how the value is created to a degree. I see. Yeah. Now, I believe this is the same with NFTs, where they have to put time and energy into these things. And I guess it's a lot of energy. I have to read into it more, but from what I understand, it's a lot of energy that goes into minting a NFT. Yeah. So <laughs> I might have impacted the environment with my Run DMC shirt. Well, <laughs> I'll have to find yeah, not, I'm not saying that to like, you know, be like, you shouldn't have done that. Obviously, <laughs> the beginning of an, it, it's just, I just want to like cover all aspects of these NFTs. And I think it's interesting that, it's probably more of like everyone wants to like nitpick here and there of like what's going on, but I don't really yeah. understand it and how much energy it actually takes. It's just uh, something to talk about where, yeah, I don't, I don't know how much energy it takes. And I guess, did it, did it work for you instantly or how long did the process take before it was up? Like, yeah, like you mentioned before, I'm not uh, tapping right away. It was just like an eBay listing. Some like balloons popped up and said, congratulations, you, you've just minted an item. And it was like available right away. And it was and available right like, away. Yeah, wow. I could search it right away. And it's syndicated on the other platform. So on Rarible, I was able to right away see it, which is very cool. So you said you put it on Mintable and then it's syndicated to Rarible automatically. So I think it just goes across and everyone attached to the blockchain is on the marketplace. Which just it, it appears there. Because there's other cool. sites, like I've looked into OpenSea is another NFT site. It's there too, yeah. It's there too. Yeah, it's, it's on, I think they're all on the blockchain. They're all attached to it. So it's just, it's syndicated across the entire thing, which is awesome. So if you were, you know, it would be like being, doing one listing and being across Etsy and Depop. Yeah, that's and fucking, like, that's, okay. That's another huge selling point for this whole thing. Yeah. Because that, like you said, it, that's like having doing an eBay listing, and it goes to Etsy, it goes to Facebook Marketplace, it goes anywhere. People can, and anyone can buy it from any of the platforms. So that's <laughs> that's kind of cool. Okay. If I have that correctly, <laughs> we're getting into it. We're getting in. We're getting new information here. That is totally news to me. Another question I have. So with art NFTs and all these different NFTs, there is a backdoor percentage commission for reselling. Did yes, you know about this? Royalty. Royalty. You can set a royalty, yeah. Did you set a royalty? No, I didn't. Um, partially just because I couldn't find a spot on the listing. I didn't research it too much. 
Um, but yeah, I didn't, I just wanted to get it up. Like it was like, I think it was like one o'clock in the morning when I was doing it. I was just like, you know what? If someone purchases from me, they, I don't, I'm happy enough to make history in that way. And like, we, I don't need a royalty from future sales. It's all right. Okay, cool. But yes, you can do that. You can, you can keep <laughs> making money from something in the future. But I think that would make more sense in the art world where people might be, you know, reselling it a lot quicker, but digital art world anyway, right? I think so. I think it has different applications and I think it can be applied to our business in some way. We'll see how that plays out. Um, but again, it would have to be something so rare that you, you're willing to resell it with your, the person who is going to move it on is willing to give you that cutback. And then the, the buyer, we have to get to a point where the buyer is demanding that token with the item. You know what I mean? Yeah. Otherwise, that person can just detach the token from the from the item and sell it off and just forget about it, right? It's so like still just trying to wrap my head around it. One guy, after you um, posted, contacted me and said, "Did I have to? Did I burn the T-shirt? Like, did I physically destroy the T-shirt to make this happen?" So that's an interesting question. I don't know if that's <laughs> if that's a thing that you only want it to reside digitally. Yeah, that's it. The lifespan is there. If you want yeah. this piece, it's only online. Physically, it's gone. That's crazy. Well, you heard about the guys that burned the Banksy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I guess it's kind of that concept. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, wild. Yeah, oh, yeah, super wild. And congrats for being the first. Congrats. I don't for know if I'm the first, though. I don't know if I'm the first. Okay, um, well, I did like do a shout out and ask if anybody was first. I didn't get any answers. Yeah, like I don't want to be the guy that pops in into this thing two weeks with two weeks experience and say, I did it first, right? It's possible. There was another um, vintage t shirt up at the time. It's a Robin Williams shirt. It wasn't redeemable and it wasn't really for sale. Like I think the guy just wanted to showcase it and keep and make it special. I, I actually attempted to buy it from him. He said it's not for sale. So it was up as an NFT, but not for sale. Yeah, he didn't want to. He didn't want to lose the physical T-shirt. That's interesting too. So you could you can mint an NFT and have it not for sale. Well, it was for sale, but he didn't want to take. He didn't want the physical shirt to go with it. So he would have sold me. I guess what you're saying, a picture of. Oh, the so shirt. oh, he was just trying to sell the picture of the Robin Williams shirt. You know, he didn't really have an exact explanation of what he was trying to do he said he was just messing around and put it up there because it's his favorite shirt wild okay yeah okay well regardless if you're the first the second the third the fifth whatever you're the first one the i first saw notable one, maybe yeah and i knew this was coming like me and kirby have talked about it on the show and i knew this was coming i've been thinking about it a lot me and jesse when we met up in calgary recently we were talking about it and I think it's super cool and it's fitting that you being defunct and always putting out this cool information for everyone. Now you're putting out this information about minting a t-shirt NFT. So yeah, I'm working on a blog post too, to try to you know, go over the steps that I talked about here. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see where it leads. Maybe it leads nowhere. Who knows? Right. Maybe, but I highly doubt that. I think it's going to lead somewhere, man. And this is going to be a this is going to be a new thing. Do you have any predictions? Then, like you know, you say you don't really understand where it's going to go, but do you have any thoughts about the future of this? 
Well, I definitely like we talked about earlier. I like the idea of it being syndicated across a bunch of platforms. That is so like convenient for guys like you and me that have like sold things across like Etsy and Depop and like are all over the place, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, I'll tell you if the shirt actually sells at some point for thirteen thousand, I think <laughs> it'll be an indication that we're going in the right direction. But it could take a few years before we figure it out. You know, I think so. It's a concept that like I don't. I don't understand it all, even after d- diving into it. And like, I think it's going to take a while for society in general to get their head around it too, right? Oh, for sure. I still, I still mention this to certain friends and they're like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, yeah. it's very new concept. It is blowing up in the media, but if you just hear about it, catch wind of it, you, it takes time to really wrap your head around this. I think the younger generation, like I, I'm assuming you're about my age, I'm 40. Um, Younger generation can kind of like grasp this concept differently because they're playing Fortnite. They're playing Roblox. Yeah. They're playing these games where they're buying digital assets already, you know? Makes sense to them, yeah. And it makes sense to them. And for me, I was never a gamer. I was never into that. But I'm just inquisitive enough to go down the rabbit hole and figure it out, you know? As, yeah. as of course you are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely like a great conversation to have. And like, are we going in that direction? We're going to find out. Yeah, super cool. Um, okay, well, we're gonna end it there. Um, do you have any? You wanna you you wanna put anybody on? I like to I like to ask that at the end of the podcast. You wanna like give anybody a shout out? Anybody in Toronto you want to mention? Or man, like I said, you you could you could have a great time with Matt from uh, <laughs> from T-shirt Time Machine on here because he's like into the financial stuff as well. Okay, he's got some crazy stories about about vintage. He was like selling dead stock headshot tees for like four years before I even showed up. Like wow. he's one, kind of one of those guys that flew under the radar right? just because he's been busy selling t-shirts. He's not like me or you messing around with blogs and stuff like that. He's just like, all he does is, is, is get to work. And it's like, you guys would get along. Awesome. Okay. Gonna and then obviously shout out to Derek from Wax and Threads. Yeah. He actually uh, kind of like was part of my inspiration for coming back and kind of getting back into it. He kind of like, like, dude, we need you made you back in here and they kind of like reintroduced me into the wild into the wild i guess you could say and like started explaining stuff to me and it was a six thousand dollar genie t-shirt and all this stuff so big shout to him and you too the hardest working man in vintage you're the the james brown of vintage wow thank you for saying that yesterday i tuned into you doing a twitch and then two hours ago you were back on Instagram live, like you live, <laughs> you spend a lot of time on live. You're like, it's like the Truman show. Or the I'm, Truman trying show. Hit, I'm trying to hit them where they live, man. You know, Amazing, um, but yeah, thank you. That's awesome. a lot of coffee. What's going on? How a lot of coffee. Know? Yeah. But I take my time. I take my time off. You know, I spend the weekends with my kids and the evenings and I, I tune out, which I think is important. You know, you can be yeah. tuned in, but you still got to tune out, man. But you love what you do. So it's not, it's not work, right? It's like, Exactly. If I'm doing like like the Twitch thing, I'm like, you know, that's another thing that was brought to me because I have young staff. They're like, you know, they're into it because they're into watching gamers and now musicians are on there and all these people are on there and they're like, you know, just get on there, try it out. And I'm like, fuck, if I'm going to sort this palette anyway, and now I can do it on Twitch and maybe I'll bring more people into the fold of what I'm doing. And I think it's like a lot easier to make money on Twitch if you get the, if you get the people watching, like 
there's a money system there. And I'm like, I'm doing this work anyway, and I get to interact and have fun. Why the fuck not? Try it out. Yeah, yeah. You were the, I think you're the first one to do it, right? I saw someone in the chat said, I was thinking of doing this, and you're like, haha, I beat you to it. You yeah. it. <laughs> okay, so that's another, I'm claiming that. This is a, you know, we're talking about first here. I'm claiming that first to sort vintage on Twitch live. I'm going to be doing that a bunch. I'll put my link actually in the description here for anyone who wants to go follow on Twitch. And one more question for you. Sure. Do you still have any of those invisible t-shirts in stock? <laughs> yeah, dude, we do. We have a couple <laughs> left from a really good dead stock haul back in the day, in the early days. <laughs> We're running low. Do you actually ever sell any of them? Um, I believe Jesse's fuck Jesse and um, is the guy, Nick, his buddy was helping him at the time. I believe they did. And Nick, because Nick was doing the listings at that time and he was modeling. And then with the invisible t-shirt, they had like a fan club and they would get all these emails and like the people that were like super fans to like Whoa. a, um, what do you call it? Like a fetish degree. Like they were in. Oh, really? Yeah. There's <laughs> <laughs> a whole, there's a whole podcast right there. The invisible t-shirt. The invisible t-shirt. Oh man. Yeah. For those of you that don't know in the early days, Jesse and Nick, they would just shoot themselves with the shirt off, put up the invisible t-shirt listing and people would run it up. <laughs> See, and, and awesome. and now, now I'm thinking, now I'm thinking invisible t-shirt NFT and it's all the wheels are turning. Something there. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, thank you for coming on, especially mm-hmm. short notice. Um, Super stoked to have you. And I think that was a great topic we, we covered. And I'm excited for the future of Defunct. So everyone go check out the Defunct website. There's so much stuff on there to learn. Like if you want to crash course through vintage t-shirt history and so much to learn on there, go check out Defunct for sure. Awesome, man. Cheers. Thanks for having me, man. My pleasure, dude. Talk soon. Thank you guys for tuning in. Hope you appreciated this episode. Hope you learned something. Um, I definitely did a lot of tidbits about NFTs that I did not know. I think we all should be learning about this uh, interesting new concept because you're going to be seeing it more. It's important to understand. And uh, or maybe it's not. Maybe you don't care. Maybe you just want to keep doing what you're doing. But, you know, my inquisitive brain likes to learn new things. And this was an interesting one for me. Follow along like this channel. Click the bell, do all that stuff, share this with your friends. I appreciate it. More episodes coming soon. I've kind of been really busy and not putting out a lot of content because I've been crushing on a lot of lives, doing the virtual flea. You know, you guys have seen me. I've been busy, but that's not to say I'm not going to keep it going. Lots more good stuff coming soon. Thanks again and see you on the next one.